Have a nest of them. And I'm going to invite you to see a golden ball lying in your arms. And that beautiful golden ball lying in your heart is emanating a white light that's expanding to fill the space all around you. Fill your white light. White light filling the room, white light emanating from us, moving outside of the room. White light surrounding in our mind's eye going all the way around the room. Golden ball of light in your heart. White light emanating, projecting out, encompassing everything. invite you to do work of an affirmation in your mind silently. I am the purity of love. Can you just repeat it now? I am the purity of love.
I am as another name for God. Praise the name of our highest God. And I'm going to invite you to So we're grateful, grateful to join together for this opportunity that we've given ourselves to love more fully, to be more present, to be more helpful, to be more in alignment with our holy presence or our light. So we're consciously attuning to the higher Holy Spirit self, that vibration of pure love, pure light that we already are. So grateful and so thankful to join together for this holy purpose. So grateful to join together in the joy, in the peace, in the harmony, in the love, in the wisdom, in the freedom, in the all good of flowing in our hearts and in our minds. So grateful to know that truly everything is for us, nothing is against us, that all of heaven is with us. So grateful and so thankful to claim this healing. So grateful to give ourselves this opportunity to remember and recognize of our life and being. So 
We're truly sharing the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our clarity with everyone. And in gratitude, we want to keep and always It's uh, pretty much going to start on time. And uh, I just, I, 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 as you can see, you know, sometimes people get hung up on these things. Yeah, that's fine. Sometimes I do. And, uh, but I'm just not going to worry too much about it. I don't feel so tired about it. So, anybody have any ahas, any insights? Any Overnight, and Heather, I'm recording this, and the recording is only for the people here. So if you, if you have it when you get home, you'll have the recording to listen to it. It'll be really easy. Something that I was reminded of this morning was um, there was a, a male energy that was heavily, but it was there was a different man, but I knew it was you. <laughs> Feeling connected. It was like uh, somebody said it was Ron last night who was saying you feel like you're always connecting with part of everybody already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, this morning was a, uh, a forest bath. And a what? The forest bath. Oh, the forest, forest bath. bath. Yeah. And with all of the um, fog and mm. rain and wind, <laughs> it was very mystical and magical experience. So I was rubbing against a friend of mine, but it was like the energy of the oneness, and I felt like the whole world was kind of rocking, and just everything vibrated, all the lights of all the trees, and it was it was a beautiful way to start the day. Was that listening to the pipe? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the bath in the face. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right, but was it uh, up and down, or was it more Actually, um, it's the, horizontal? It's, it's more horizontal. There are some, but to get to the path is really difficult. It's a little challenging, but once you get there, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it the path that runs behind those buildings there? Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, and it goes all the way around the perimeter. Mm -hmm. And you can get to it either from the dining hall or Orlando. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rick, all right. 
put that thought right today in the day. And uh, one of the most amazing things about it is uh, we stopped and we closed our eyes and there was all these leaves that were falling so you could hear them fall. And it seemed like it was rain falling all around us except right where we were at, where we were standing. And uh, it was interesting that it lasted for a few minutes, just like a whole lot of leaves <laughs> for a few minutes. And I don't think we experienced again like that for the rest of the walk that we were there. It's a beautiful Anything else to share from Christopher's Menelac? All right. So, in my experience, the biggest obstacle anyone has to working as a spiritual counselor is And I remember very well tackling this myself because when I first started spiritual counseling, actually, uh, I, so I finished the agape practitioner training. It was um, four years of training. And in that four years of training, we did serve in the prayer ministry, so I did do a lot of prayer with people. Uh, but we had one 20-minute practice Amazing. We did the whole second walk. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that experience. So um, I trusted in my the, the, the training of training your mind to see the perfection and the wholeness in each person. So that's that's really the, the main training that they offer you. Um, and to to listen for people's false beliefs and to know the truth, what the truth is, because the truth is like an antidote for every problem that you're in. Because the soul is going to be the antidote. Because every problem that we think we have is actually a false belief. So the truth is always the level of the antidote. Um, but in many ways, I did not feel qualified to start speaking to people in the counseling field. And um, right out of the gates. You know, I'll tell you just a little bit more history of me. Um, so at, in his Science of Mind community, which is what Agape was at that time, and, and I was part of the, what was then called the United Church of Religious Science, and now it's called the Centers for Spiritual Living. And um, very, Science of the Mind is very intellectual, extremely intellectual. And, um, Agape definitely has more heart, but it's still intellectual. And the curriculum is intellectual. And so we had two years of pre-practitioner training and then two years of practitioner training. And uh, when uh, I was moving from the pre-practitioner training, because I already knew I wanted to go all the way to minister. You have to become a practitioner before you can become a minister in that community. So it was science of mind. 
first be a, a practitioner. The practitioner is part of the ecclesiastical body of the church. So you hold an official role in the church as part of the ecclesiastical body. So the ecclesiastical body in the science of modern deity is the minister and the practitioner. And then you have the commoners. So um, you have official responsibilities as a practitioner. You have a license. And spiritual counseling is part of the but the real focus of the training is to hold your mind with clarity on the truth. And, um, and when you can do that, then you can counsel people. And obviously, some people are better at counseling than others. Uh, and some people have uh, more clarity than others. And uh, so when I was going from the pre-practitioner classes to the practitioner training, uh, they had a three-week interim class that we were required to take about the practitioner training. We had to um, you know, sign off on what we were saying we were going to do on the weekends and as a practitioner training and as a licensed practitioner. So they wanted to make sure everybody understood what they were really engaging in. And One of the things they stressed in these uh, uh, pre-practitioner classes was do not go into the practitioner training unless you would like to have some people. Unless you want to be a practitioner that's going to see clients, do not go into this training. This training is not for your spiritual education. This is uh, for the ecclesiastical body. This is for people who definitely want to be and I have to say that at that time, the thought of sitting and listening to people tell me about their problems just sounded nightmarish to me. It just sounded horrible. Like, couldn't I just willingly put myself in that situation and listen to strangers tell me about their problems? That's so horrible. I think I'd really like to make that go away. <laughs> so I said to myself, I said to myself and my God self, I said, okay, here's the deal, God. I don't see another pathway for me to get the spiritual advancement that I'd like, and I know I'd like to be a minister, so I'm going to go into this practitioner training, and, you know, they can't make me be a counselor, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. And um, uh, I said, but I, I'll add this caveat. That if people come to me and they ask me to be their counselor, I will not turn them away. So if you send people to me, I will I will see them. But I really that's not what I'm interested in. And then what I found was before I even graduated, people were saying, When can you start counseling? So I did start seeing clients. 
Yes, yes, it will be too much, I think. Please just come at once. Um, I like to cool the time of the day. Post it like this. Um, so that's that's where my resistance and reluctance was. It was really kind of like, hell no, I do not want to listen to people talk about their process. But what I found was in doing the counseling sessions with people was without a question, the most transformative healing thing that I have done in my life was sitting with others, knowing the things about them with them, healed so much in me, so much in me. And it taught me so much about the nature of God and the nature of the kingdom. And so, as I was saying last night, because I've talked with a number of ministers who have said all kinds of things to me. Either I've had ministers who are good speakers and things like that say to me, Jennifer, I don't really like people. <laughs> and um, I just don't want to be in a situation where I have to talk to people a lot, you know, now that I'm getting hired as a minister. Like, I just really don't want to put myself in that position where I have to either listen to them or talk with them a lot. <laughs> I just want to be able to do talks on Sundays, teach classes, and manage the church, you know? But, like, all that pastoral care and the care for the congregation, visiting the room and all, I'll visit them in the hospital and I'll pray with them. But do I have to really, like, And I've also had ministers say, you know, I really like your Sunday talks, I like teaching your classes, but the counseling, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like being one-on-one with people. I don't like it at all. And then there are other people who just, that's their favorite part, is to be one-on-one with somebody. And so for me, I, I really love it all. I really love it all. And I don't, I actually don't do much counseling I'd rather refer people to people who are in my program. And so I, I actually set my rates at a rate that would discourage people from booking sessions <laughs> with me. It works. It works. And so then I can encourage people to do the sessions with the people in the Encourage Women program, and it works well. And, um, and if people really would like to do a session with me, they can. And I'm happy to do it with them. But I, it's better for me to focus on creating a class and, and getting as many people at this point because I've done so much counseling. So that's kind of my journey with it. Now, I will tell you, when I started out counseling in the first couple of years, because I had no, virtually no practical experience, and people were bringing to me really intense issues. And... Uh, I would be sitting with them, and on the surface, I would be saying, as they're telling me what's going on with them. And inside, I was often like this, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, help me, help me, Jesus. I have no idea what to say to these people. Good God, you're going to have to figure this out because I have no idea. And I found that 
particularly in the beginning, my sessions were basically all night. My sessions were all night. Because what I found was that most of my clients, they wanted to talk for about an hour. And then at about the hour point, they said, so what do you think I should do? <laughs> and so um, they needed that hour to just get it out, talk about it, be sure that I understood the details, that kind of thing. And um, so that's why I always used to do 90 session, minute sessions in the beginning. It's, it's a really, it's also so relaxing for the client if they have a 90 minute session. There's no, because a lot of clients are thinking, oh my God, this is so much money per minute and I don't want to waste any minutes. And it's like, oh, we got, we got started two minutes late. That's just, I mean, seriously, yeah. these are the kinds of things that go on. And so um, most of my sessions, I will go over five minutes. Sometimes I'll go over 10 minutes. You know, if they book a 30-minute session, or an hour session, or a 90-minute session, I still will go over five to 10 minutes. Partly so that they, if they book another session in the future, they can just feel relaxed. Like, oh, you know, she's not like, so, you know, she's not doing this by a stopwatch. And, but then other people, sometimes they're, they're finished five minutes before. I still keep going in the sessions for the whole time. But the thing for me is that I, I like feeling that the client is relaxed in the session. Of course, you can't control it. But you can hold in your mind throughout the session that all their needs are being met by God, not by you. You're not in charge. God is in charge. And he relaxes. And of course, that's the way we can live our whole lives, but that's how, not how most of us live our whole lives, right? Most of us are trying to figure everything out along the way and trying to understand things along the way and organize things and control things along the way. And so our days are up and down, spiking them with stress and then relaxing and easing and then stress again and relaxing again while we're doing Dealing mostly our mind. So the the biggest thing for me in starting out as a counselor was to learn to trust that God is in charge, I am not in charge, that God will perfectly orchestrate it, I don't have to. And it took me a while to learn to trust that. Because quite honestly, I hadn't had experiences where that was occurring in my life. So that was new to me. One of the things that helped me in the beginning was that many of my clients brought me my own issues. Many of my clients brought me my own issues. Now, that is a blessing and it can feel like a so it's a blessing because you get to work on your issue, right? You do. And so if someone has actually volunteered and given money to come <laughs> and help you work on your issue. <laughs> and in the beginning, it can feel a bit disorienting, like, oh, this is, this is not right. This, you know, how can I help them with this issue 
But this is my history. He knows of people who have relationship issues, clients are going to come with relationship issues. People who have body issues are going to come with body issues. People who have money issues are going to come. If you have money issues, your clients are going to have money issues. Whatever it is, they're going to bring you your issues. That's a lock. <laughs> I mean, that is how God works. This is life the important thing for you to know right from the get-go is it is perfectly organized. It's not a mistake. And it doesn't mean that you don't have what it takes. It means that the infinite mind of God has organized things perfectly for everyone involved. Because if it's your issue, you're most interested in healing it. You, you thought about it more than other people. So it's perfectly encapsulated. And they you will have something to share with them that will be a great blessing to them. And he did. And I, I can tell you that time after time after time after time, I had experiences where, um, like I can think of one where this, this client came, and I've been working with them. Uh, I've known them for years. I've known them for years, and they said, I've got some real issues. I know you're a spiritual And in that session, I said something like, well, it's just like if, let's say you used to weigh 400 pounds, but you don't anymore, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the session, as the client was walking out the door, they turned to me and they said, did you know that when I was in college, I weighed 400 pounds? And I, I did. I weighed 400 pounds. I was, and this is someone who looks as good as you do. I mean, he's, he never would have guessed. Like, if someone calls us and says, you know, I used to weigh eight, he never guessed that. I'd only known him for a few years. I had no idea. And I said, how did you? You knew that, right? You knew that I used to weigh 400 pounds? And I had never said any sentence like that before in my life. I mean, so many times I've said things like, imagine that you're a dentist and your brother's a dentist. And then, like, Somebody, in, I'll say that in the church, and somebody will come up to me afterwards and say, I'm a dentist, my brother's a dentist. <laughs> and we have exactly the issue that you're talking about. There's one mind. There's one mind. Spirit is going to give you the perfect thing. So your job is to trust it. Because it's a still, small voice. And it can be very repetitive if you're not used to it. Um, and uh, and we know that, right? We know that. By now, aren't you all very aware of, you know, that tap, 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 that just doesn't go away? It's not painful, it's not hurtful, it's not judgmental, it's not condemning, it's just constantly, however you feel it, however you experience it, for me it's just that repetitive thought kind of like a feeling, a certain vibration, you know, and at first sometimes I think it's just a fleeting thought, and then it comes again, and I'm like, oh, okay, and then the third time I'm like, yeah, it's bothering me. But I didn't know that 20 years ago. I didn't know the difference between that still small voice with the repetitive thought and the email, and the emotion. 
But once you really are interested in knowing, you will know the difference. So that's, that's, and then you have to trust it. And this is where the challenge comes in and why it's a self-esteem issue too, is because when you, when you think about, I'm involving someone else and my trusting is still someone else now. Their well-being is involved in, you know, their happiness, their sense of themselves. If I share something with it's egotistical. I don't want to hurt them. So when you, when you get into that kind of thinking, working with a client, so it, re it requires you to really learn to trust and be in the moment, moment by moment. And so part of this intensive is to help you identify your ego habits and to set them aside, to become far less interested in them. So when I first started seeing clients one-on-one, -on -one, I had a lot of judgment of everyone, so of course I judged my clients, of course. They would tell me stories of their stupidity, right, and their, their selfishness, and their foolishness, and things like that. And so the only way I could be helpful to them was to not judge them. So I had to pray for myself during the session to get away from judgment and to give up any idea that I knew what those people knew and to give up any attachment to trying to help them based on my history. So I had to really practice just being present in the moment so I could say something that was useful and helpful to them. And also in the beginning, I had a lot of experiences where again and again and again, someone would come to me with a particular issue. Um, let's say, you know, this is, they're in a terrible relationship. It's horrible, it's torturous to them. They, they, they're not talking with their partner. They're not communicating, their needs aren't being met. They don't, they don't really have any heart connection with their partner, and they're so distressed about it, and at the same time, they're worried their partner's gonna leave them. <laughs> that's how life is, right? Right? We feel connection. We barely even tolerate each other. What if they leave me? Yeah. Right? So, that, you know, these are the things, the situations that we find ourselves in. You know, people are in the same situation with their job, right? They hate their job, they hate the people they work with, they feel incompetent, um, and uh, they want to do something else, but they uh, are terrified of being fired. So it's, it's all these, these kinds of things in life that people are facing. And so, uh, our history of self-help and what works for other people, we have to put all that aside in order to be present in the moment. And that requires trust. Now, if we don't feel worthy of inspiration and guidance, if we don't feel we can trust our
because as soon as I started, as soon as I, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I got my practitioner license in the fall of 2000. And we got, we went to a sacred ceremony for our practitioner licenses uh, in early November. And then I was sitting at the newly licensed practitioner, it was Thanksgiving day. I was at a church service for the congregation, right? And there was a minister officiating, and there were a few hundred people there. And uh, the minister officiating was inviting people to come up and share their stories of gratitude. Right? This is at a conference. And, um, which I just frankly thought was a really terrible idea. Because <laughs> I know these people are and they get up there and they're like, whoa, agape, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I wanted to have the mic and agape for 10 years and now I got the mic. <laughs> and they're like, thank you, you know, and they're just going, and 20 minutes are going by. And they're not saying anything, really. And the minister is just like. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> and every once in a while, somebody would get up and tell a story of real gratitude, and they're like, yeah, I'm good. Hey. <laughs> you know? But to the grandstanders, and they're like, I got the mic and I'm all day, people. Right? So I'm sitting there listening as a newly licensed member of the ecclesiastical body of the church. And this one person starts talking on the mic, and I went like this. <laughs> I, then I realized I am a newly licensed member of the ecclesiastical body of this church. It is Thanksgiving Day, and the congregation is sharing its gratitude, and I'm like, oh my God, rolling my eyes. What kind of practitioner am I? Oh my God, what if somebody saw me? So then I'm like, <laughs> Just cover your tracks when you're judging the Have it in your back pocket. So, <laughs> have a meeting with Terry. So, um, it's not that you won't have any judgments, it's your judgments are coming up for you when you're judging not expected. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're a loser or a terrible person. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing if you're clearly judging somebody. Fine. They're helping you to identify your judgment, to release it. It's, a, it's, it's not something terrible or bad or wrong or anything. It's an opportunity for you to reclaim your judgment. Because one of the things that uh, Reverend Michael, the founder of Agape, said to us, um, he says to the practitioners, he says it to the ministers when they're graduating, as soon as you put that badge on, people in the congregation and people who know you will start to go, her? Him? Like, really? I don't think so. I know them. They're, they're not so... So special. I don't think so. Uh-uh. 
and you and it's because you will to because you realize God and I definitely I set out to be that practitioner in that as Bradley says you see people I am a good person I'm worthy of love and I'm better than a lot of other people definitely this is Bradley better than the rest. <laughs> and I said I have to get my practitioner license. I thought that was I it was like I need some validation because I feel so horrible about myself. I need somebody's approval. I need it. Because I need this to show other people I am a good person. But when I was actually, once I got my bag and I was actually sitting with my clients, that's when I let go of the self-judgment, sitting with my clients. Because I took so solemnly my vow to not judge my clients, to see the truth and only speak to them, that I couldn't do it for them and not do it for myself. I had to do it for everything in me, in every session. And that was an incredible healing So that's why in my certification program, I require 111 sessions. So that by the time you've done your 111 sessions, you feel qualified. You feel qualified to really charge money to do, not that you can't charge money before, but you really feel qualified. And, and people are telling you that it works. So that's one of the things here, just the piece here, if you do a lot of sessions, but if you really are having the opportunity to practice, to feel, to feel that you're not just learning techniques, you're really learning how to listen to spirit in a one-on-one -on -one conversation that you can take back home to use with your family, with your co-workers, in whatever environment you're in. It works for me all the time. I'm in a, a plane station, a plane an airport or a plane or all kinds of places where it works as a self-listening to be able to just listen and be present in the moment to what's going on. It works in every area of my life and it's been so helpful for me and my family to really to be able to hear them and listen to them. My friends, it's really transformed my and the relationships I used to have that were much more about um, you complete me kind of relationship. And, you know, um, your friendship validates me in this way or that way. Those fell away. I just don't have those. I used to have a lot of kind of professional friendships where, you know, we would have lunch or dinner on a regular basis and keep in touch with but I never really cared if I talked to them at all. I was just trying to, you know, get something from them, get keeping their awareness and keep those connections going. And I just don't do that at all anymore. Not at all. None of it. And I don't miss it at all. You know, so I still can, uh, I still love to have colleagues and people who really are close friends. And we get together, but we get together because we enjoy getting together, and we, we have something to share, not because uh, we want to be able to say, oh, I just had, you know, I just had lunch with John Bunyan, and so, uh, no, I'm, I'm 
validated by that experience. And so, because we all, uh, you know, my colleagues in, in spiritual teaching are most of them are Buddhist teachers who just, you know, go on a honeymoon to Asia for some circus reasons. That's just, it's not in the realm of interest anymore. So that's nice. All kinds of false things fall away. And the more false falls away, the more real you feel, the more real you feel, the more both qualified you are to sit with, to feel qualified, to sit with someone, to feel the real in them. So you're coming to totally accept who you really are and what is going on in you without judgment qualifies you to sit with someone who you can just see the perfection in them with such that they will be changed by it. Literally, they will be changed by it. It does not matter what you do. It does not matter what you do. And a lot of clients you have won't give you much of a chance to say anything anyway. <laughs> but when you are listening to them from the place of complete love, then they are changed very few people, I mean, how many people in your life, and particularly for those of you who are in masterful living and getting ready for the, you know, let's say before you started into class with me, how many people in your life really were able to listen to you and be present to you and give you love? That's the thing is, you, it's a gift that you give and it's a gift that you receive too. And, it, it, and what does it come from? It comes from your willingness to be transparent. And how can you feel comfortable being transparent? What, I mean, what makes it possible for you to feel comfortable just saying what is, what your experience is, saying how you feel? What makes it possible? Same experience. Yes. Had experienced it. Yes. Feeling safe. Someone has a can relate to it. Maybe. So, what makes you feel safe? That's it. Is there any other thing that makes you feel safe? There's not. It means that the person can just sit with you and not judge you. And for me, that's one of the things about all my classes is create that space where we're all agreeing to practice non-judgment. It doesn't mean we don't have any judgment. It means we're practicing non-judgment, which means we're being willing to be aware of our judgments and release connections with them as good. Release our attachments to them being as good. To look at them and, oh, why does that judgment look so interesting to me? Do I really like that that painful judgment or not? So doing that work, that's what makes our heart open to ourselves and to each other. So 
one of the things that I've seen is people who've done this intensive training who are professionals, professional therapists, um, professional counselors, uh, family therapists, um, different uh, kinds of pro uh, professions like that, even in business, that they are able to, after this week, they're able to really feel so much less judgmental about themselves. They shed that, uh, uh, to a large degree, they can shed a huge amount of that sense of unworthiness. And it's because of joining together and really being in that place to see the worthiness in others that all are loved and all are relevant. It's, it's so healing. It's so So what I'd like to do is just really establish that this is the number one thing we're working on this week. The number one thing is to remove from our mind this idea that who are you? I think if you ever, ever give someone some helpful advice or counseling, who are you to think that you could actually be a support to that idea healed to realize who you are that can do that. Who, who is your true nature that is able to do that and be effective? So that's our number one goal. And we'll talk about, of course, we'll talk about techniques and different challenges that come up, all kinds of things like that. But that's the number one thing that inhibits people from being successful. Because the number two thing, really, is to empower you that however you'd like to use this training, however you'd like to use these skills, that you feel qualified to use them, you feel qualified to expand your business, to uh, launch a business, whatever it is, whatever your next steps are, that you feel qualified and competent to take what you learn here However it is you do it. You know, some people it's scary to, to be a better grandmother. You know, some people it's they may be a better contract negotiator. And that's fine. Whatever it is, um, some of the people that have uh, enjoyed this and felt a great benefit are attorneys. So and everybody comes from a different background. So what I'd like to do now is just have each person go around. And just say a little bit about what what brought you here and what you'd like to what you think you'd like to do with this training where you'd like to go next and uh, any pertinent things that you'd like us to know about you all right so and i'm going to use this um selenite crystal and i'm going to ask kelly to go first can you just tap and one of the ways that we're going to learn each other's names is it's just helpful right in the beginning because I don't do name tags because we can never learn each other's names. So uh, I, I try to give people's names as much as possible. So, uh, so I'm asking you, Kelly, can you tell me your, your previous name? Okay, my name is Kelly. And do you prefer Kelly or Kel? Kelly. Kel. 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 
So, um, yeah, it's helpful. Everybody here, they're not seeing your written name. Yeah. So, nobody's going to see that. That's what's really awesome about this. So, uh, make sure you know the name of the person next to you. Somebody <laughs> know the name of the person next to you? You know the name on each side? We do. Yeah. No, no, both. But you're going to just start right here. Yeah, so you can start with my name is Cal, and then when you finish, you say, uh, you pass it, and uh, I'm going to pass it to Susan. My name is Cal, and so we are. Yes. <laughs> what, brought, what brought you here? Um, what would you like to get out yeah, of? What brought me here is um, sticking with my heart and not my head in the way that I was raised. and miracles is very important to me. Dina. Thank you, Cal. My name is Dina. Um, let's see. Since I listened to you and I wasn't preparing what I was going to say, let's see here. Yeah, good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So in the next, why am I here? Um, I discovered Jennifer, uh, I was studying the Course in Miracles, thought it was a lifesaver, I was, I was just, I felt like someone had given me oxygen, you know, and about five years ago. When I saw Jennifer's advertisement, I felt very stuck, I, you know, had all this wisdom and information coming in, but I had no idea what to do with it, so, um, saw her advertisement, and um, you're very peppy in your advertisements, so I was like, let me pick the most depressing thing I can find the most, you know, and I, so the forgiveness <laughs> retreat, I thought that would be low key, but um, but you're not, your advertising self is a little different from your in-person self, so. but that was my start, and um, from there I've done uh, the New Year's reboot, the Master of Living, the Finding Freedom, and then this, uh, I'm just so interested in this idea that our thoughts, our beliefs, level of the mind can, that we can absolutely change our experience, um, how we're, you know, how we're, um, I'm a person that's always had a lot of issues with anxiety and 
every phobia known to mankind and just all of it. So to be able to get into the level of the mind, thoughts and beliefs, and peel back how I'm going to feel the rest of my life is just amazing, an amazing concept. And to begin, I've, and I've done a lot of, had, a, I think, a lot of successes over the past year, I would say. I feel totally different being here now than I did a year ago. So what I'd like to do in the next um, four to seven years, I'll be, I'm a public servant. I work for basically like a public work city government. And um, I would like to, I'm going to be transitioning over the next four to seven years into sort of leadership management type. Um, my friend is start. he's going to retire and start a business where he's going to do that similar thing. He's asked me to work with him. So I want to bring Course in Miracles into basically the workplace is what it will boil down to. So, um, here is Paula. Thank you, Dina. You're welcome. Um, my name is Paula. And, um, <clears throat> um, I'm here because I want to deepen my relationship with self. I'm a student of the Course, also. Um, I think for me, anyway, the times are intense. Um, I work with people, I'm a realtor, and um, a hip-hop realtor in, in my market. I interact with a lot of people. Every one of them has a story. Every one of them is either selling their house or buying their house because of transitions in their lives that either they can handle somehow or not. And I end up counseling these people um, to the best of my ability. And, uh, and it's, it just keeps getting more intense. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so I want to go deeper uh, with myself. And I feel that there's also some shift that is for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And I have to let go, even guessing, and uh, just um, see what happens. So being here is also an exploration of that, and the fact that for me some of my most genuine spiritual experiences have come in a setting like this, where you're working one-on-one -on -one listening without judgment to others and loving them and being there. That's what I think. Tammy. Thank you, Paula. I'm Tammy. <clears throat> I'm primarily here to deepen my own healing, uh, my own spiritual healing. Um, and I'm a science of mind practitioner, and I wish to feel more what I, I feel I could be more effective um, counselor and just uh, beneficial presence in my spiritual community 
at home, I actually think this is my spiritual community more than that, but, um, or Jennifer's um, ministry. Um, but I'm happy to be where I'm at in, in my spiritual community. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of healing um, for me there, I believe. And I really want to do that. And um, when I went to Jennifer's workshop in Oklahoma City a couple of years ago, uh, I wasn't real, I really didn't want to be there, but I stayed. But by the end of it, I decided I wanted what she had, whatever it was. So, so anyway. Bonnie. Thank you, Jenny. I'm Robbie. And I was led to A Course in Miracles a year ago, which led me to Jennifer and Masterful Living. And joining Masterful Living was a very quick decision that I made. And uh, uh, which was very interesting for me to do, to make that kind of decision so quickly and uh, know that that was what I needed to do. And I absolutely love Masterful Living, love the community. And I think I've really grown a lot in it. And uh, had seen the, the uh, spiritual counseling intensive months ago. And thought, oh yeah, maybe I'll do it someday. And uh, I didn't realize someday was going to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> in fact, it, it was very interesting that I made the decision the beginning of September. And it was very quick decision. I mean, it was... One morning, I woke up, and, and I heard the voice say, you need to go to the spiritual counseling intensive. And right away, I went, got on the internet, started looking at it more and more, read it all, started telling my husband about it, and right away, he says, if you feel the need to know, if you feel a calling to go, you need to call. And within a couple of, well, then my ego starts kicking in and starts saying, oh, no, you You've got this going on and this going on. You have an incredibly busy life for the next few weeks. You don't have time to do this. And I could see all these resistance coming up. And I thought, wait a minute, I really feel called to go. Even though I feel it was that little voice and it was very quiet. And uh, I, I signed up and realized, okay, I'm signing up. Uh, spirits telling me to come, and uh, I'm going to leave all the details to spirit. I'm not going to let them interfere with this. And this was the first time I'd ever made that kind of a decision to do something with not really knowing why I'm doing it, where I'm going after it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the past, decisions have always been made because, okay, I'm going to make this decision because this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. This is the first time I made a decision that I had no idea where it was going to lead me. <laughs> and uh, I will tell you, that, that was September, the very first week of September that I made this decision. And since then, my ego has, has had a very severe reaction to it. I, it's been popping its head up all over the place, no matter how much I try to let it go and be willing uh, to even Two days before coming, my husband and I flew in 
very, very savage lives. We've had a horrible something coming up. And I remember Jennifer talking to me about him and I on our uh, talk. And she was telling me how lucky I am to have someone like him in my life because you know, he brings up these triggers. And I bring up triggers for him. And it, it was interesting the triggers that came up for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'm going to be discussing those this, this week because, uh, and we almost left without, I, I was going to leave and we weren't even going to talk to each other. And then at the last minute, it's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't happening. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget and let that all go. Because I knew he, too, was in the same place I was. He did not like what was going on. So we were able to work it out right before I'm getting on the plane. Mm -hmm. But I found it very interesting what a struggle it was to really get here. And I'm sure we'll bring that up. And so, like I said, I really don't know where this is leading me. I really don't see myself as uh, counseling people. But I do know that every day... I say that my life aspiration is to live my life authentically with loving thoughts, words, and actions every day. To be a loving presence, to be the light. And my goal is to forgive everyone, everything, including myself, to let go of all my attachments to my perceptions, judgments, and opinions. And to awaken to my true self and the true self of all my brothers and sisters. And I say the prayer in the Course in Miracles that I'm here to I'm, my, I'm here only to be truly helpful. And the very last sentence is what I think really pushed me to come here, which was uh, I will be healed when I when he teaches me. So that is why I'm here. Elena. Elena. So my name is Elena. And uh, I discovered Jennifer somewhere in spring 2014. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> so I, over the Living in Costa Miracle series. And um, at the same time, and from your classes, I learned a bonus class about prayer in the series. So I learned that there is such a thing as a prayer. And I had some trouble in my family with my child, and I essentially started praying about it, and I had a miracle. Very big miracle. Something uh, sealed, which I was unable to hear before, and then I, and then I saw your advertisement from Masterful Living, and I just, it's not that I knew it, it's just like I felt it from my whole heart that it's my place to be, and I didn't know much about you or your work or something, I just knew that <laughs> that's my place, so um, I registered, and uh, in the very beginning of the living, uh, my life suddenly started <laughs> meeting a really intense, and then we talked several times, you remember, and you didn't know me 
that you said something to me which I was surprised myself to, to hear that. But essentially, it was a huge something which caused a huge shift for my familiar experience. And I thought, what kind of what is the message she's using to know this? You know, I would like to know it too. And uh, and then I heard about the spiritual counseling training, and I, I had immediately called to go, but I didn't listen. <laughs> I mean, I thought one day when I'm ready. And so I did. Uh, so I followed my heart. I did master full living one and master full living two, and now I'm master full living three. And my life is it's getting transformed in different aspects of my life. So I have so much, so much healing experience. But this aspect, like um, this calling, is still there, and I'm not acting on it. And so I met you in autumn last year when you were in Germany, and uh, suddenly I had a shift in this area too. I started offering the like, sessions, and uh, I discovered that when I help others and just really being there and suddenly I had this intuition and I knew what to say, not always, but when I listened and then people were like they had shifts, I just realized that I feel even happier when I, than when I have shifts in my life. So that makes me even happier. It's like it's a, it's a fulfillment, it's like it's, it's mine. And so I decided to go and then I had to deal with some resistance of my ego in the form of my family and my husband <laughs> which brought even bigger healing in my relationship so my goal is to start doing this start uh, whatever you call it a business but start counseling people and finally act on this calling that's what you I just, I had so much, I mean, I healed so much in my life, and I know that I have so much to share. So, that's what you Yeah. So, I pass. I think for you, you uh, it feels valuable to let people know that you also, you take in training and you approach. Not really. It just yeah. asked, yeah, I've been doing some stuff, but I've never finished anything. You know, I wanted to be yeah before. The calling is very, yeah. <laughs> it's very like existent. I think the first time I, I had it was ten about ten years ago, but I never, never, never really acted on it. You know? And then it's it's shifting. It's happening. Because I remember talking about that. Like, yes. Yeah. And it was really somehow challenging for me to, my, to explain to my husband why I'm, I would like to cross the ocean. He said, there's so many trainings around you here. Stay, stay here. You're this coach and this one. And no, but they want, I want to. I need Jennifer. I know. I really didn't want to use this word. I said, I know. She was like, kick me and I will go. You know, it's something, it's like, yeah. It's like I'm keeping myself silent and I'm, don't, and so the, the goal is like to open myself and to mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but even the, over the last year, I mean, it's, I created a website, I'm, I'm writing the blog regularly, that's mm -hmm. in So it's really a shift from nothing to, yeah. Yeah, they had some trainings before even psychology and everything, but you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had a master degree, so I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm Megan, and I, um, <clears throat> I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister. I serve a congregation, and I've been doing that for about 11 years, different congregations. This one I've been at for just going into my third year. <clears throat> and um, I had a spiritual director who suggested that I read um, The Disappearance of the Universe, which led me to the course, which um, I read, I don't know, I'm not normally this kind of person, but I just sat down and I read it every day, a chapter or a couple paragraphs, as much as I could really get my head around, uh, until I was done. And then I was so sad and it was over. And then now I go back and allow it to fall open or you know, still study it. But I, I love The Course in Miracles. And it is um, absolutely not something that I can bring into my congregation formally. Um, I bring it in, of course, because it is my theology is it makes so much sense to me um, but I'm here in part because I have Unitarian Universalist colleagues I have Unitarian Universalist retreats and trainings and all kinds of things but I don't really share the theological grounding with those folks necessarily and so I'm here to find my people <laughs> and to be in a place where we can really go deep and not have to change the language so it doesn't offend people who don't want to hear the word God, for example. Um, and when I heard a calling to ministry, I resisted like crazy, especially the idea of parish ministry. I wanted to do counseling. I had my first graduate program that I didn't finish was in psychology and I was going to be a clinician. And so I think I kind of also see this as, as giving me some more um, tools, feels like not the right word, but um, training and experience and um, filling out uh, an area that I think I may want to transition into, which would mean probably leaving parish ministry and moving into more spiritual counseling. I certainly do a lot of it in the work being a parish minister, but um, then there's all the other, you know, it's running a nonprofit essentially, and so there's all the elements of it that I don't like, that don't light me up. However, bringing the Course in Miracles into my life has made every interaction more loving, more grounded in seeing the, you know, I preach about preach the Course in Miracles all the time, but they would never know it. <laughs> Just to change the language. And um, and it is pretty amazing to be teaching an entire group of people to see the God in one another, to see the spark of the divine, it's our language, and really call that out. So just to be with my people, to be sharing common language and understanding is huge. I feel like this is the biggest treat I could have given myself. I'm delighted to be here. 
members to sign it. Thank you, Megan. I'm standing. I know why I'm here, but I don't know where I'm going. Um, I have a lifetime of experiences and a wonderful life, really. I was a nurse for 38 years, so I'm retiring on this very experiences. Hospice was one of those. Um, I have a wonderful family. I've been married almost 51 years. Um, but the, and, and my spiritual journey really took a boost about 10 years ago when I became a real seeker, and that's when I started. I found The Course in Miracles, but never really understood it until this week. It's starting to, to gel. Uh, but with that always remained a huge bag of self-judgments. Just attended the self the forgiveness retreat, which was for me to self forgive, and all all um, judgments are self judgments, <laughs> and um, and so that's why I'm here. Uh, enough, you know, of this stuff. Let's get over yourself, Sandy. Um, and then we had to list self judgments. I had 24, in fact, I kept writing. I would have kept on writing into the night from all the judgments. Um, and so I, you know, I thought I, I got rid of them that night, but they're still there. <laughs> they're cropping up. So my goal is to, um, is to release that. And what that means for me, for my future, and for what calling I'm to be called to, I'm open to. I'm open heart. Um, and I am so grateful to be here. It's just, it's an honor, and with all of you, I have to pinch myself. Thank you. Um, and I could say a lot more because I have a lot to say. I'm just going to see how it keeps on. So I'm going to pass it on to my co-nurse, Allison. Hi, my name is Allison. Um, I've been a registered nurse for about 25 years, uh, mostly in intensive care. I now do some case management in the ER. Um, I came here because um, I speak with a lot of people, a lot of different people, different cultures, different um, education levels, and I wanted to be able to speak to them in their way, more communication, um, and also uh, better communication with my family, um, you know, and in general. And I, um, I just took the uh, Forgiving Deeply retreat. That was the uh, first class I took with Jennifer, and I enjoyed it. It helped me immensely. Um, I also uh, discovered The Course in Miracles about a year ago, and that's what led me to your podcast. And, um, so that's been a really big help for me, and um, I'm, I'm enjoying the journey. The little steps, the big steps. It's been great, really great. Thank you. I'm in this group for the PTI training. My name is Rachel. And I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, 
don't know what's going on, but I, <laughs> yeah. I just feel so much love and gratitude for every single one of you. I spent my, my entire life not feeling worthy, feeling like I had to prove something, achieve something, and to belong somewhere so I can finally feel like I was good enough. But being in Masterful Living this year and really committing myself to practicing non-judgment for others and myself. I feel like I'm just only beginning to get in touch with how much good is in me and in all of us. And I don't really have an active intention to be a counselor, but I have a deep desire in my heart to be a helpful presence for others. And it's mostly for selfish reasons, because I want to be healed. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the world just looks so different to me when I, when I can look at all of you, and I barely know most of you, but I just feel such a um, deep sense of connection. And I had a um, realization during the forgiveness retreat, Jennifer, that every single thing in your life that you release judgment on had a direct impact on my healing. Not in the sense that you were teaching it to us and that I'm practicing what you're teaching us, but that because we're one mind, if you hadn't forgiven everything that you forgave, my awareness would not be at this level that I, it's at right now. I would be in like a different universe <laughs> if you hadn't done the healing that you did. And that goes the same for every single one of you and your willingness to and the commitment, the willingness to see, see our brothers and sisters as whole and complete and perfect, and the love and the light that they are, is just so beautiful and touching to me that I just can't put it into words. And so, this week there's no other place on the whole universe that I'd rather be than here with all of you. So thank you. Thank you, Rita. Well, I've um, I've probably had as many careers as I've had spiritual paths, and. Um, you know, it's been kind of a winding road. Um, I, I had the book, the, the course, um, you know, for, for years before I even had any idea what it was really about. 
And, um, and when I, I, uh, I've been in Oakland about 40 years and I, I um, ended up moving to Hawaii and um, while it was my path, I made some very poor judgments in the course of it and it, it, it drove me to, you know, um, to the Unity Church where I became part of a, of a, of a Course in Miracles study group and um, heard Jennifer's webinar early on, probably eight or ten years ago, and, and thought, wow, I like the host as much or more than any of the um, guest speakers, you know, in her homework classes. And, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't pursue that. Uh, I was pursuing um, a licensed unity teacher um, um, for the classes, mostly. I, I didn't finish that and, you know, kept hearing, oh, you really need to focus on one spiritual path, you know, my Buddhist stuff, my other, you know, um, I've been part of oneness, uh, going to India with about 50 New Thought ministers. And, um, but each time, it just, it didn't really produce the, um, the non-judgment, the life, uh, the life that I've been experiencing since I, I joined Master for Living that last year. And that non-judgment definitely transformed relationships in my family that has been uh, such a blessing and I signed up for this course last summer um, with the intention of deepening my spiritual practice and my and probably to be listened to since um, my experience has been nobody has much more patience than maybe 45 seconds to a minute to um, you know it's a, it's a blessing to have someone not interrupt me for a minute and um, but this past year, I, 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 I took a health coach and nutrition program training, and you know their, their focus was not so much on food as it was on all the rest of the elements and suggesting you know what, what to focus on. And, and that's how I, I got you know signed up for Masterful Living on the last day, and that, that was a, a great choice for me. Um, the purpose of that training really was to, for me, my intention there was to be prepared for the next time my best friend had cancer. Um, and that, you know, took place this year. Um, after I'd been hit by a car, that one of those two by fours from the universe um, to be more present. And um, I found, you know, our journey began with my kind of knowledge and uh, about cancer and can't, you know, um, and it it just evolved quite quickly to spiritual counseling with the, the family, despite my, you know, my only training being in, in Masterful Living. So I've been very much looking forward to being here this week and um, helping transition to the next um, thing because I, became, I was pretty much entirely focused on, on that cancer journey, which uh, and she made her transition a couple weeks ago. So, very happy to be here. And, um, and I, I, yeah, open to the next, um, to what evolves from here. Thank you, I pass it on to Heather. Um, my name is Heather. I uh, became a licensed yoga practitioner, yoga science practitioner. Um, 12 years ago, 
And then I went to Agape and joined their practice in the core. So currently I'm, then I moved back to the DC area and went back to uh, Center for Spiritual Living. So currently I'm both, technically both, um, religious science practitioner and Agape license practitioner. And um, I haven't had many clients. Um, I know that when I do that work, I mean, I'm very clear. When I do the work, it's amazing. I'm just clear about my purpose. I see it, it's demonstrated. Um, and I feel like if I did that more, I would get better. But I don't have clients, <laughs> you know, I don't, and I haven't figured it out or whatever it is to have, to be able to do that work, to have more clients. And, uh, I was I resonated with the idea of uh, releasing judgment, self-judgment for this um, this class. Um, it just dawned on me right now. I always have a list of things I think I should do in order to become aligned, and so that people would naturally be drawn to me. And um, it just dawned on me that the only thing I need to Release is the idea that I need to release. That I need to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm, I'm wanting to do to do this work and be present and available. And uh, I guess that's that's it. And I'll pass it to Kevin. My name is Kevin. And. I came from a background of serious religion, um, Pentecostal, Jehovah's Witness, United Church of Christ, all three coming at me at once as a young child. Dad took me to one church, mom took me to the other, grandma took me to the other. And so it led to a lot of confusion. Um, as an adult, I didn't know which way to really think, but you know, with the Pentecostal church, it's all about judgment. Everything you do, you're going to hell, you can't do anything right, you can't look straight, you can't sleep right. I mean, there's nothing you can do correctly. But I've always been a spiritual person. I've always had a relationship with God, but nothing made sense. So I always still went to church as best as I could throughout my life. Um, but then when I went through medical school, kind of slowed down a little bit because I was so busy and became a surgeon. The main reason I became a surgeon is because when I grew up, I was told I was not intelligent, I wasn't worthy. And so I thought, how can I be most worthy to be a doctor? Well, I always wanted to be a doctor as a child, but it's kind of like, you know, do it. But I don't know that it was my greatest path. Um, I, I implement a lot of my spirituality in my practice, but it's, it's, and I have a lot of passion for it, but I don't think it's my 100% passion that I want to be in life, uh, my path, my in-path goal. So as I got older, got into my practice now, you know, I started searching, and I don't know, I was at a metaphysical bookstore, I think, and I saw A Course in Miracles just sitting on the shelf, and I'm like, I love that title. I've never heard of it. It's like so, it's like so cool. I mean, a miracle. Who would like to create a miracle? 
And so it resonated. It never left my brain. I don't know why. It's always, always, always resonating. One day I was talking to one of my friends who's very spiritual. And she was like, you know, there's somebody you need to listen to. Her name's Jennifer Hadley. She's got this great podcast. You need to listen to it. And I was like, cool, all right. So I didn't even know what a podcast was then. I was like, all right, I'll figure it out. And I had to Google how to get a podcast and figure out how to download it. And I started listening. And so um, I was like, wow, this stuff is awesome. This makes sense. No judgment, create your own manifestation, create your own miracles. I have got to learn this stuff. And so I was I listening to one of, I think it was a, one of your Course in Miracles series, I think it was 2013, 14, probably 13, 14, somewhere in there. And one of the speakers um, went through the Pathways of Light ministerial training. I want to minister in this and that way I'd really learn it and then I could start teaching it and so that's what I did I went to the pathways of like ministerial training and after that was completed which we did actually uh, quite a few one-on-one spiritual um, counseling trainings not a lot but I think it was around 10 or 12 but it kind of got me going towards this, this, this path I'm like, well, I want to continue on. And then listening to Jennifer um, on the podcast, she mentioned Masterful Living. And she says, I think it was in uh, December of one year, she says, deadline is such and such. I'm like, I've got to run. I've got to, I've got to get in for this year. I mean, <laughs> so I did. And so I, I did MLC 1. That was 2016. And I'm in 2 now. And throughout the last couple of years, and the reason why I did that is to continue on with that training. But... It's all about um, self-healing um, and non-judgment and finding my place in this world without feeling unworthy. And I've really come a long way in the last couple of years. And through this training of this week, I really want to continue completing that circle, but more importantly, lay the path so that in the future that this will be my full-time commitment work. I want to be a minister that does workshops. I'm leading a church, but I also want to do counseling. And I want to be in your ministerial training. I want to be in your flagship class. So <laughs> I definitely have that on the list of things to do as well. So uh, that's where I plan to go. And I want to continue to heal this week, do the work, live the life, the miracles and having this beautiful relationship with everybody here. There's an already feel so connected with everyone and it's such a beautiful community. And the thing is, I'm the biggest introvert on the planet Earth. And it's so hard for me to talk in front of groups. But if I feel there's no judgment and I feel connected, I feel I can speak. But if I feel I'm in a big group and intimidated, I can't speak so well. So it's a testimony to you all that you're so kind and loving that I can be a little bit more open. So thank you. So I give this to Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. What a wonderful group of people we have.
that's going to be your discussion. 
And the idea is that you come back from lunch, and of course you can continue the discussion over lunch ideally, uh, but the idea is that you come to some concrete things, beliefs, behaviors, and manifestations. Beliefs, behaviors, and manifestations. We're starting to look more clearly at how these things are related, beliefs, behaviors, and manifestations. So as an example, I'm going to give you an example from my own life, which is um, one of the manifestations that I had was that I had a lot of debt. I had a fluctuating income. I was worried about paying my bills. And so that was a manifestation. Okay? Sometimes uh, when I was in the practitioner training, I had experience of uh, times when I thought, Do I, am I going to pay gas in my car? Am I going to pay my phone bill? Am I going to buy food? What am I going to do with the money that I have today? Okay? And that was when I and I, um, I went to my practitioner for a session. So I went to my counselor for a session, and this is my um, big concern with her. And she said, well, what's your prayer book for everything? And I said, well, I'm, I'm praying for abundance. And she said, and when you pray for abundance, how does it feel to you? And I said, well, kind of, sort of, you know, sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. And so she said, okay, I'm going to suggest that instead of just praying for abundance, you pray to become very receptive. Very receptive. And it really, I started praying to become very receptive. And so I realized that it helped me to realize that everything I receive, I receive. Because God is all there is. And so I started to really contemplate that for me, being receptive and being in the flow of abundance and prosperity means that I'd, I'd like to feel comfortable that if um, Megan comes to me with something, that I could give to her according to how I feel directed. Maybe Megan comes to me for counseling she doesn't have any money. And because I did a lot of counseling sessions for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever donations we could give, I would tell them what my fee is. So this is my fee, and if you aren't able to make my fee, you know, we, we can talk about a donation. Um, and we'll talk more about fees and things like that later. But um, I wanted to be able to feel, I, I had a desire to be able to that I could give to Megan without strings attached. That, that if she couldn't pay me for my time, that would be okay. That um, and that if, let's say, Cal wanted to give me a donation, a tie, just because she read something I wrote or she felt inspired by something I said. You know, that if like my session costs is a hundred dollars and and Megan can only give me five dollars, 
Like Callan wants to give me two hundred dollars, and Callan's not asking anything of me except to receive what I'm giving. That this is how God balances out the universe. And I and I got this realization through my prayer work around receptivity that this is what it means to be in His love. That you realize everything you give, you give to God. Everything you receive, you receive from God. And so it's always perfect. It's never not perfect. And I, I, I really, because I had been raised in a family where there were strings attached to everything. You know, my family would literally say, like, if I didn't want to do something, my, my grandmother really helped me with it. Because she would be like, well, I gave you this, and I did that for you, and and I think, yeah, <laughs> and, like nobody asked you to do that. If you didn't want to do it, why did you do it? But now you never said I'm going to do these. I'm going to take you to Disney World, but you're going to owe me. You never said that, right? You have to say these things up front. Of course, people don't do that, especially with children, right? So my grandmother would then say, you're the most dumbest little girl in the whole world to me, right? And it was scripture. I didn't know it at the time, but it was through training for me. I am not going to feel guilty about this. Get off me, is how I felt. You know, like, okay, I'm the most dumbest little girl in the whole world. Okay, let it be then. Then stop bugging me. <laughs> you know, you already know that if you're giving to me, I'm just the, the most selfish little girl in the whole world. You're not going to get anything back from me. Because <laughs> I feel like giving it. So get off me. You know? And then when I was a teenager, we would have these arguments occasionally where she would be mad at me for something, and I would say to her, Look, I'm not going to be manipulated by you. No. You can't make me feel guilty. No, and that was shocking to her. But you know what? Um, my grandmother lived to be in her 80s, right? And she she made her transition in 2000, no, 1996, something like that, okay? So uh, 20 some years ago. And for my whole life, as soon as I could learn to write, I had a correspondence with my grandmother, my mother's mother. I, you know, when I was a little kid, I always had, I was required to write thank you notes for everything. For, you know, anybody gave me anything, I had to write a thank you note. So I learned that. And, um, and then when I was a teenager, I, you know, phone calls back then, was 30 cents a minute. And 30 cents a minute was worth a lot more then than it is now. You know, it's like dollars a minute to, to make a phone call. So you didn't call people, you know, you call people when you're, you needed to give them information right away. You just didn't have long, you might talk for five minutes, but it was a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 57, so that's, that's how it was back in the 70s. Make long phone calls and you have to talk forever. So, and I, I didn't. So, um, and my grandmother, you know, in my family, we were just like, it's, that's not what you do with your mind, grandmother. You never want to make a phone call. So, um, 
we wrote letters. And so I, I wrote to my grandmother on a regular basis for, I don't know, a long time, at least 15 years, constantly writing back and forth, writing back and forth. And um, so she knew 100% that anything that I did, any course, my brother didn't write letters to her, you know. Um, she knew that I was writing to her because I wanted to connect with her. I, I wanted to share my life with her. And, and I got letters back from her. You know, we just went back and forth and back and forth. My whole, from the time I was probably 15 until she died. We went back and, I mean, when she got really old, we didn't talk anymore. I mean, I got two kids, so we didn't talk on the phone. But um, we, we had a you know, very lengthy correspondence for many, many years. She knew that everything that I shared with her was because I loved her. I didn't specifically write to her. It's laborious to write to people, right? But I did it because I loved her and I wanted to connect with her. And so things that were challenging to me, my relationship with my grandmother was challenging to me, but it, it also helped me to, to develop uh, my, the strength of my personality that I'm not going to be manipulative. You know, I had to push back against my family's very strong manipulative, or they used to be. They're not anymore. They shifted because I decided I, I don't want this in my family. And everybody knows my brother. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, you know, I mean, there's still some stuff in there, but it's, it's mostly gone. And, but when I was a kid, it was a highly manipulative environment. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And so my family just decided I was very angry. But I was angry because I felt hurt by their manipulation. And it frightened me. And it came out by perfectionism and rage. They're going to try to manipulate me again. my protection. So now I have this, when I see people who are very angry and manipulative and controlling, my heart, I have so much compassion for them. You know? Like it took me a minute, but I have so much compassion for those people. You know, because I, I see them as very much like me. Like me without all the I wasn't raised by someone who marched with the KKK. You know, I, I was I was raised by someone who marched with the Martin Luther King, MLK, or different different life experiences. But I can I can understand how he feels in a lot of ways. So everything works together for our good. There are no exceptions. I want to find that deeply important. So the manifestation uh, that I was my own poverty of consciousness. The manifestation that I saw in my life was that I didn't know how to uh, maintain uh, a healthy credit. And I didn't know how to, you know, uh, have some savings and, and you know, pay my bills every month, you know, and so I was struggling with these things. My practitioner advised me to pray to the acceptor. Through that prayer work, my mind opened up about being in the flow of giving and receiving and realizing that everything I give, I 
is God, everything I receive, I receive from God. And so that really helped me to stay in my loving heart because I could stop trying to manipulate him from giving me. And I could stop feeling like I had to protect myself against people who tried to manipulate me to give them You see what I'm saying? So this whole manifestation of poverty worked for my good because it, it helped me to seek a higher ground where I had to learn how to receive. And as a minister, I, and you, you know this, Megan, you have to be able to otherwise your life would be so out of balance because ministers are professional givers yeah. and who, who's a mom here yeah. Kevin you don't have children mm -hmm. you're one of the only daughters I mean that <laughs> 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 no dads here <laughs> not yet anyway yeah. um, and so who's a mom yeah, so it's, isn't it very easy to get out of balance and overgiving, especially when you're a mom, right? So who else is a professional giver? Yeah, very easy to get out of balance, isn't it, when you're a professional giver? So, and that's not healthy. And then you're modeling, this is what you should be like. You should be overgiving, you should be exhausted, you should be running on empty, and you should be happy about <laughs> crazy, crazy. And I, I really feel that part of my work is to get all of that out of our lives. You know? And so uh, looking at my self-care all the time, looking at you know, being receptive, being receptive. So um, the manifestation was struggling with debt and paying my bills. And the, the belief really was, underneath it all, is that, um, of course, I'm not worthy. I have to give in order to get. I have to give in order to get. And no matter how much I give, I'm still not supported by the universe. So I have to do it all myself. These were some of the beliefs that came up when I was really working with this manifestation. So I'm so grateful for the manifestation of my belief system because the pain of it drove me to heal it. And that's how life works. Um, so some of the habits for me were giving to get validation, giving to get um, somebody's approval, somebody's kind words, or somebody's attention, or to give somebody money. And so I made a, a, a declaration that I was going to, uh, well, first of all, one of the things that happened was praying to receive, praying to receive. Uh, two, two major things happened. And um, uh, we, might, we might carry this discussion to after lunch, your, your uh, small group. But um, because this, this now takes a long time. <laughs> I don't want to be pressured into having a, a set schedule where everybody has to get in line. It's been, we're not quite in the flow. So um, two, two major shifts, or two major demonstrations happened in my life because of my shift in my consciousness about receiving. 
one of the things that happened was I had my 40th birthday. So this was 40, I'm 57 now, so it was November. So it was almost 18 years ago since I was born in 15. And um, I had my 40th birthday party, and a friend of mine asked me, could she throw a party for me? Because she has a beautiful home in LA. So I said, sure, that'd be lovely. She threw a big party for me. And I had 67 thank you notes to write after the meeting because of the gifts that I received. And so I was a such a demonstration of my receptivity had changed. The other thing was, at about that time, uh, I had, let's say, $30,000 on the credit card bill. Okay. And I had no idea how I was going to pay that down. Didn't know how that worked, right? And uh, at some point, you, you're lucky if you can keep up with the interest, right? Because the credit card debt wasn't that, unless you've got a really strong income coming in. But remember, I was, when I started this, I was like, food, phone, so um, what happened was uh, a former client of mine, I used to be a bookkeeper. She was doing this, she needed uh, someone to help her in her company and with her books and with this whole thing she was doing. And she said, I'd like to hire you to come and live in New York and I'll, I'll put, a, put you up, you know, I'll pay your food and your living expenses uh, if you come and live here and do this, and I think it's going to take about four or five months or whatever it was. And I said, you know, I'd really love to do that because boy, I could have used that money, right? And she said, I'm going to pay you, basically she said, I'm paying you way more than what you're going to pay me in your life. And because um, uh, this was 18 years ago, she I'm going to pay you $2,000 a week, and I'll pay all your living expenses. And uh, I said, but I'm in the practitioner training with a doctor, and I, I'm not going to be on that. And I, I have class every week, and I have to be there every week for class. Because she said, what if I threw you back and forth every day so you could go to class? So I said, well, that would mean basically you're flying me on Thursday so I could be at class on Thursday then I would come back to New York because I need to do service work on Sunday. So Sunday night was the regular I'd be there. So I'd be there really Monday to Thursday morning, something like that, uh, Thursday afternoon. I said, that's the best I could do. And she said, wow, I would do it. I paid off that $30,000. And I went back and forth every week. And in the practitioner training, my the the lead instructor, uh, you know, we had a lot of requirements, service and different things, and I was doing it all. And there were a couple of times where she would say, don't, don't do the homework this week. You're good, you're good. I'd be like, no, I want to do the homework, I want to do the homework. And, um, and it all worked really well, and I paid off all my debt. So, miracles, that job opportunity or that she would have agreed to any of those things but she did she did and it, it was it was good 
and uh, a good learning. So this is, and I, and I have a lot of stories like that. I have a lot of stories like that. Where I made a decision to shift my thinking about something because I wasn't happy with the way my life felt, the way it was going. I didn't, it was not enjoyable. So this is the thing for you, for all your clients. People are going to come, most of your clients are going to come to you because something in their life doesn't feel good. And they have somewhere in them a belief that it could be different. But they don't know how. Now, you won't know how either. Just like I didn't know how, my practitioner didn't know how, but her suggestion to me was, is the beginning of wisdom. And that's just it. It's a whole darkened thing. Spirit knows how. But you see, it all came from my prayer practice. And it came from my working with my counselor. And people really resist working with their counselor. So how many of you have already got a, a relationship with a counselor and you're meeting with them every week, every other week, and you really have that you've got experience counselor. Yeah, something. You've got some some real support. Yeah. So put your hands up high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like professional relationship with me. Because the thing is is look, I've got friends. I do, but I also have my two professional paid spiritual counselors. Well, no. I'm saying Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like I've got friends who come to me because I'm a professional counselor and, and they know this. And uh, and they're professionals too. Professional teachers and ministers and practitioners too. And they come to me from time to time and say, got this issue, could you help me with it? They do that from time to time. Certainly as friends, we talk about our issues. But there's a big difference between talking with your friend about something and going to your friend who's a professional saying, I'd like to book a session. Because I do that from time to time. I do that from time to time. And I'm just reminding you, oh, I've got an appointment today. I, um, yeah, and so I have friends who are professionals who refer to me, and I would say, I'd like to book a session with you. And they might say to me, oh, you're going to have to pay me for that. But I don't go to them thinking that they're going to be going crazy or anything. I, I want to pay for it. And when I was a practitioner in training, uh, pretty much most of the time, except for like when I was really having trouble paying my bills, my practitioners, I would talk about my financial issues. And they would say, you know, you don't have to pay my full fee. And I always say, oh no, if I pay full price on anything, it's just for me. I'm paying full price on this because I'm studying to be a practitioner. I, I want to set the tone that this is worth being paid to, to do. Yeah. And one of the things I did when I first became a practitioner was uh, my, my practitioner, been my practitioner for a couple of years, charged 
dogs were powerful. And one of the ministers in the church, uh, Reverend Nirvana, he charged 80 dollars for shoes at that time. And I started charging 80 dollars at that time. Right out of the gate. I've got to. I don't even think 80 dollars was enough. And then pretty soon I raised it to 100. And there was not one client who was like, oh, this is a raw deal. You know? But I also, you know, I had plenty of times when people said, can I use my dog? Which was great. But I also had experiences where um, somebody would come and for whatever reason, we never talked about the feed, and at the end, they'd say, oh, I, I, I don't even know what your feed is. And Spirit would say, just let them make a donation. And I'd say, I work on a donation basis. And I, the first time I did that, I never, you know, I never said, like, I work on a donation basis. I always said, my fee is, and it's flexible if you need to. But Spirit said, you tell her, just you work on a donation basis. And she wrote me a check for $200. Woo! And I, uh, I've also had people come uh, for a session and at the end say, you know, I'm going to give you $3,000 because I really think what you're doing is incredible. And I see that you, you're not wealthy doing it, and I'd like to support you with money. So being receptive is important. When we think, you know, my fee is because we're thinking, you know, I want to make my fee, I want to make my fee. We might also be thinking and know more. Like, we just get rigid around it sometimes. So that's another thing to keep open your mind to being in the world of spirit. I, I once did an event where I was a speaker, and there was one person in the room who was sitting there like this the whole time. And when I'd ask people, how many of you would raise your hand for nothing? Nothing like this. They're all concentrated. And then I'd say, how many of you won't even bother to raise your hand? And, and I'd, no, we wouldn't raise our hand. No, we wouldn't bother. <laughs> Wore a hat, sitting there like this. And then at the end, you walked up and you made a stack full of thousands, an envelope full of thousands of dollars of money. And I love it when you raise your hand. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. Let's do this. It's now 12:22. So I'm gonna. You know what your groups are. I'm. I'm gonna say don't. You can discuss it over food, but I would say either do it before or do it after, and continue the discussion over food. Don't make your whole discussion over food. Just wait till you discuss. So. Who remembers what we're going to discuss in the group of three and four? Action. Behaviors and beliefs that you have to let go to put uh, this into action. And the manifestations that those beliefs have created in your life. To let go of. Any questions about it? Did somebody else have a hand up here? 
Yes, you definitely can. Yeah. Not talk about it. Yeah, you do not have to. You don't have to talk about it. And I'm going to say, let's come back at three. Because I also, I like to give people a chance to clear their heads, go for a walk, do whatever you need to do. Some people like to take a nap. So we'll come back at three. Because I've got my, my wish was to give you a two hour break and a half hour to discuss this. So that's what I'm going So at three, you want us to have had our phones? Have, have had your phones at three. So, yeah. No, we won't go back past nine. You know, we might go to ten. Occasionally it happens. But I, I, I don't want to go back to ten either. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you want to, there's a thing. Nothing is Sorry, so um, meet with the group and finish talking by three? Yes. Okay. So I would say some of you, if you would like to do have your conversation before you go to lunch, do that because lunch is served till 1.30, I think. Is that when it's served till 1.30? And then um, uh, the other thing is come back at 2.30 and do your... And I'm, I'm basically, the lunch time, I'm going to be in the dining room. I'm going to be working with my staff. So I'll be back here at 3. Okay, sure. Ian is asking you an important question. So what, what I'm asking you to do is come back at 3 o'clock with a list yeah, of your personal. And when you're working in your group, why I don't want you, you can discuss it over food, but why I don't want that to be the primary discussion is I, I'd like you to be fully listening because you're, you're really training your mind to listen to people's, the cause and effect and, and the beliefs and the manifestations, all of this in when people are talking and you're listening and you're listening with spirit because spirit will make oh this is really we need to go back to this you know this is important this is key so you're 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 listening with that counselor's attention and awareness and so while you could continue the discussion over lunch you could that's not going to be your primary discussion in your in your does that answer your question, Dean? Okay, you're going to work with those things that you've come to. You want to have 